0: You tell by my gray hair, it was a long time ago that I was chair of the New Lawyers Forum at the BBA, but that is in fact true. Um, I am currently chairing the Committee for New Lawyer Employment in an effort to help our, our recent graduates and new lawyers in the greater Boston area find gainful employment during, during these challenging times. Um, one of the helpful ways to do that is to present a positive online presence and engage in various forms of um, internet and social media activities to help yourself stand out. I have an all-star panel with me here today to talk about tips and tricks to uh, one start for the beginners to truly get started on certain platforms out there and for some of you savvy veterans, you might still be able to learn a few things on, on very specific points from some of our experts on the topics. So let me start with helping them introduce themselves to you and then we will get into some topic areas and then we'll reserve some time at the end for a Q&A. Um, Caroline Emery, would you like to introduce yourself first?
1: Thanks, Chris. Thanks to everyone for joining today. Um, I'm Caroline Emery. I am the Director of Client Development and Marketing at Sharon and Lodgeon, which is a 40 attorney law firm in Boston specializing in real estate, commercial litigation, uh, business law and employment. So I've been doing this Um, for about 10 years now, um, working with attorneys on what we're talking about today. So excited to be here.
0: Thank you so much. Kelsey, would you like to go next?
2: Yeah, sure. Uh, so my name is Kelsey Madard. I am originally from New York, but moved to Boston to attend BU for law school. Uh, after graduating from BU Law, I started as a commercial litigation associate at Morgan Lewis and Bacchus in their Boston office. Uh, I later transitioned into wanting to learn more about diversity, equity, and inclusion, programming, and recruitment, and ultimately started my own company, which is called Grow by Three. Uh, I serve as counsel of the company, as well as a consultant, and we do mostly work that helps organizations become more diverse, equitable, inclusive, and engaged. And we also work directly with individuals to assist them in building their brand, uh, developing their narrative, as well as uh, accessing new opportunities. So very, very excited to have this conversation with you all today.
0: Thank you very much. And last but certainly not least, I will turn to Jared, who is well prepared for this panel with his big microphone and headphones and branding and everything.
3: Sorry, Jared, what do you have for us? That's a lie. I'm actually the least impressive. That's why I've been introduced last. Um, So my name is Jared Correa. I'm a business management consultant for lawyers. Um, I've been doing that for about 15 years, worked with about 3,000 law firms in that time frame. So I advise lawyers on technology, marketing, financial management, Um, My company, Red Cave Law Firm Consulting, is the consulting partner for about 16 or 17 bar associations across the United States as well. And lastly, I have a software company, which I founded with a partner which came out of beta a few months ago, which provides website chat and automatic calendaring for law firms. That's called Gideon, G-I-D-E-O-N. And that's it. That's all I got to start with.
0: I will add for a specific to Jared that he and I were on the new Laura's section together
3: back in the day.
0: Yes. Um, so we've known each other from the beginning. He is right. definitely one of the great experts on online presence. That was the
3: media. last time I went to an in-person meeting, I think, like 10 years ago, or at least it seems like.
0: <laughs> it does feel like that. <laughs> so Everybody got a little taste of value here. You, you saw the invitations, and, and you I appreciate you coming. Um, there, you probably have read the blog post on curating your online presence on the BBA blog at this point. Uh, but this, this sort of springs from that. We're going to expand on some of the points made there. We're going to go through that in a little more detail, as well as add some other things. Uh, but why is it important? You know, when um, when people like Jared and I were new lawyers, it was more of a don'ts. It was more of a what not to do on the Internet was the basic lesson that you were taught, what to take down from your, your college frat parties or um, things that were not the best public image in your profiles on Friendster or... of the one of the primitive social media platforms Um, whereas now everybody has sort of figured that stuff out and while we'll have a few don'ts as as part of this program it's mostly going to focus on affirmatively what you should be doing why should you be on the internet why should you be on linkedin twitter the various platforms and what should you do when you're there Um, there are ways to both have a profile that's positive for you but also to interact in a way that's meaningful and having the right connections on those platforms so We're gonna dig into all of those subjects in great detail. Um, And I'm excited to learn a few things myself on this as sometimes I get a little rusty on what to do. So I'm gonna have some questions, panelists. I will lead with one of you for each question. And then each of you can add on after that, after the original answer to whatever you want to add. And then if you have any additional thoughts that are not quite on point to the question, go your more than welcome to uh, supplement my questions with your own. So let's start. Um, Most everybody's familiar with LinkedIn at this point, the fact that it exists and the general purpose of the platform. And most people have a, uh, a profile on it at some level, but let's say you don't, or you have a very basic outline of a profile. What's important in just getting started to make a useful LinkedIn profile and who should you be connecting with to get started? Jared, will you lead us off with that? Oh,
3: yeah. Um, LinkedIn is like really exploded in terms of social networks of late, especially for attorneys. And let me clue you in, it's because everybody's sitting at home doing nothing else. So I will tell you, like I'm on LinkedIn far more often than I ever was before. And I, I was on aggressively previously, like the numbers of views I'm seeing, the number of people who are interacting, it's gone up exponentially. So I think LinkedIn is a really probably the top social media marketing choice for lawyers because it's like a professional network, right? You got other attorneys, other professionals on there who are going to pass you referrals. And especially now, like if you're a lawyer who traditionally relied on in-person marketing and networking to drive business, which like 90% of lawyers did, that's the closest thing you're going to find to that is working with people on LinkedIn, reaching out to people on LinkedIn, making connections there. So it's a relatively easy shift. You're going to be talking about the same things, right? So if you've, if you've got a profile and you haven't done a whole lot with it or you don't have a profile to start with, it's not too hard to set up. Um, and interestingly enough, a lot of my clients, I've been helping them manage their LinkedIn profiles lately because they, they're starting from scratch, right? Maybe they've got a headshot on there. Maybe they've got very inf- basic information about uh, themselves on there. So I'll tell you some of, the, some of the easy things that you can fix that I see, at least. So a lot of people don't have a landscape photo on LinkedIn. So you've got an avatar. You've got a landscape photo behind you. Most people use the basic landscape option that's there, the default one pick something that's more interesting than that. Even if it's like the city skyline, right? It doesn't have to be super clever. Just put something there that draws people in. Images are really resonant for people. So if you get a decent image on your profile, it's more likely they're going to click on it, more likely they're going to explore what you do. Um, Next thing I would say is for each of those little job categories you have, A lot of businesses have business profiles on LinkedIn as well. So for every job you list, including your current position, you should have a link to that business profile on there as well. So people can click out to your prior history. And if you don't have a business profile for your existing company, you should build one. It doesn't take too long to do that either. You can figure that out. And if you're competent online, you can probably put that together in like 10 minutes worth your time. Next thing is like lawyers don't connect with a lot of people on LinkedIn. And I still find this to be surprising because this is true of a lot of lawyers on social media in general. Like I see lawyers have private uh, accounts. I see lawyers who don't reach out to people. The whole purpose when you're on a network like this is to actually make connections with people. And it's super easy to do that on LinkedIn. So go into the My Network feature on LinkedIn. See who they suggest for you to connect with and connect with some of those people. Every time somebody uh, comments on your post, every time somebody likes something that you've done, connect with those people as well. Like I'm aggressively sourcing connections on LinkedIn because that's how you're going to increase your reach. It's better to have 18,000 people that you're connected with than 1,800 thing you're connected with because more people see your stuff, right? And if you're posting about things that are relevant to your practice area, things that you know well, then you're naturally going to attract the people who are going to be able to send you referrals. Last thing I'll say is um, recommendations on LinkedIn. Ask for those. Very few people have them. And it's kind of like Google reviews. If you look at what a lot of attorneys do in terms of online marketing, there's a lot of emphasis put on SEO and Google search, but then a lot of attorneys aren't supplementing that with reviews online. And Google reviews aren't difficult to get, you just gotta make sure that you follow up with people, ask for them, same thing on LinkedIn to get those recommendations in. So um, I, I lied, I said that was the last thing. I wanna say one more thing. In terms of LinkedIn, what I've seen recently that's really interesting is you see people adding more long form posts. So on LinkedIn previously, it was like, hey, I'm doing this on Tuesday, link. Now you see people writing 200, 250 word posts on there, and they're sort of turning it into like a social blog. And I think that's a far better use of LinkedIn than people have utilized it as before. You used to view it as like, I've got content somewhere else, and now I'm repurposing it on LinkedIn. I'm linking it out at LinkedIn. Now you can view LinkedIn as like a content production machine. And I've seen people have excellent results as far as that's concerned. So now I'll stop.
0: I mean, that's a very comprehensive answer and I appreciate it. Uh,
3: I talk about this a lot, man.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I've learned quite a few things already, Um, but I'll turn to the other two panelists to see if you want to supplement Jared's evaluation on that point. Kelsey, do you have anything to add on LinkedIn setting up, getting going?
2: So I totally agree with making sure you do have your headshot up there so that when people are looking to connect with you, they can kind of connect with you on that personal level. Uh, I also think it's very important to make sure that you are adding information to your profile that is going to be useful for you. Uh, Some people think of uh, LinkedIn as a way to just sort of have a digital resume, so to speak. And so some people do choose to use that as one of the ways that they share what they're doing. They keep their information up to date. I think if you're a part of a lot of bar associations or you do a lot of Volunteer work, or you're really, you know, integrated into the community in these ways. I think that using LinkedIn to share that um, is very awesome because sometimes, let's say, someone's looking for a speaker on a panel, or they're looking for someone who um, is involved in the community to chair uh, to chair an opportunity. Um, knowing the things that you do besides just your professional work um, that you do as part of your career, I think is really, really also a helpful thing to include. So that's just something that I would
1: add.
0: Excellent. Thank you so much. And, and Caroline, do you have anything to add?
1: Yeah, I mean, to Jared's point, I think it, I would definitely encourage you all to think about who you're um, connected with and connecting with. Um, definitely think about law school um, classmates um, as a great just first, first pass that people to connect with. Um, professors people you've worked at with as part of any internships you had um, don't be afraid to connect with people because it definitely pays off not just now but down the road to stay in touch with those people um, otherwise I think you it's so much easier to lose touch and if you connect with them you um, instantly have that and if you share something it's just a great way to sh- um, to stay top of mind with those people that you formed those connections with so definitely to Jared's point um, um, be be thoughtful about. Who you're connecting with, but I would just echo what they said about um, completeness of profile. I think it goes a really long way. Um, but there's nothing worse than seeing a blank picture. So you do not need to have a professional professional headshot. An iPhone works great for a picture. So don't let a perfect picture keep you from from having a picture at all. It can just be uh, just a really simple in front of a you know wall uh, iPhone picture, and that's and that's great. But people people want to see you. It goes a long way.
0: Yeah, And, I, and I, I'm, a, I'm the moderator, but I'm also a panelist. So I will add um, that your LinkedIn profile is not a chance to carbon copy your resume. It's an opportunity to build on it. And so if you're actively looking for a job, you're sending a resume, what are those employers doing but looking on the internet to find you? And so if your LinkedIn is just a, co- a copy of your your resume, you haven't added to your um, abilities to impress them in any way. So look for things that don't fit on a resume, look to add some interests and some groups and some things that tell a little bit more about your personality so that they can read into you. A lot of firms care about personality fit as much as they care about legal ability and that gives them a taste of that, but it also gives you basis to connect. It's a lot of interviews are about finding points where you have something in common with the person asking you questions to go down different topics that you have a mutual interest in. So that's my two cents on the topic.
1: And to that point too, make sure, that's why connections are so powerful and make sure that people can see who you have connections with and shared connections with because oftentimes that has the biggest um, impact too if you're searching for someone and they come across your profile and see oh they know so and so they're gonna go ask so and so how how do you know this person so that's why it pays to also make sure that that um, you're mindful of your settings to make sure that people can see those those mutual connections.
2: And I just, I was just gonna say I know we're sort of thinking about what to add in terms of what you should be putting on your profile. I know for me, sometimes I do feel a little bit more private. I don't want everything to be just 100% public for everyone to see. So I think that there is a good balance that you can find if you're similar to me, where you do want to hold off on some details until people do sort of request for your profile. I feel like that is, is something to think about too. Um, you know, what is it that you're posting and is it is it in line with who you are as a person and how do you want to be perceived professionally? Because there might be some things that, you know, you might want to add a little bit of context, too, that you might not be comfortable with the hiring manager seeing that automatically. And um, so those are some of the nuanced things to think about, which I know we're going to get into that as the as the panel goes on. So I'm not going to skip ahead. But I did just want to put that out there for people who might feel a little bit, um, you know, a little bit more private, not wanting to share every single thing.
0: I I feel like Kelsey is a paid panelist for this group right now because that's exactly the segue that I needed (laughs) to go into my next question. Um, So we talked originally about um, what you should set up in profiles and pictures and and filling out the content that you have but the day-to-day posting what sort of things should you write about whether it be Jared's point about long-form posting or or the the old-fashioned short-form posting uh, as they called it at the time. Um, What specifically for people like trying to get a job what sort of things should they be posting about and i'll turn to caroline first for this one
1: yeah i mean i think it can be a range of things i would say my number one advice is to be authentic though um share what you care about what you're interested in don't try to share just to share because that's not going to be helpful either um for those of you that might be interested in getting into a specific practice area or already know what area of law you're interested in definitely share things from that area, follow um, different publications and um, sign up for newsletters so that you automatically um, get content that might be worth sharing um, through there. But um, as Kelsey alluded to too, um, charitable organizations are a great thing to showcase too, especially if you're actively involved in a charitable organization, it's great to share news about um, those organizations, what you might be doing with them. Um, and I think it's great too, just to be able to showcase um, some of your some of your hobbies too. Again, if someone's writing about something in the news that you care about, share that. But don't be afraid to add, a, um, like Kelsey said, a little bit of context to that too, and say, I I saw this great article. Um, this is what I got out of it. For those of you interested in XYZ, I thought you might find this useful. I think sharing that commentary and having a voice is really important just for, again, getting past the stage of LinkedIn where it's just a resume. It needs to be a little bit more than that. Um, and even if you're not sharing um, your own content or content from someone else, share someone else's post. That goes a long way too. It gives you something to share. It's helpful for that person for you to share their content. So. There's a lot of different ways you can um, approach things, even if the content isn't something that you yourself have have written. It doesn't it doesn't need to it can be something else that you're interested and
0: passionate about. Excellent, thank you, Jerry. What are your thoughts on the posting?
3: Yes. Yeah, so this whole thread of like, how much do you share and how much do you not share? First of all, I'm probably a bad example of this. I share (laughs) like everything. Um, I've never, I've never, I've never, I think a lot of lawyers kind of feel like there's this notion of professionalism that they have to adhere to, right? I think a lot of lawyers play a lawyer, right? And what I mean by that is they do things that they think lawyers should do you should do things that are authentic to you. I totally agree with that. And I think you miss opportunities when you don't, right? So I'm not saying post your post-surgery pictures on LinkedIn. (laughs) We're not doing that. However, like if you like to play sports, if you have an interest in that, um, post that. Um, If you have a hobby, as uh, Caroline just said, post about that. Um, You never know who's going to Be interested in that. Like, I think there's this notion that, like, lawyers are robots, which has existed for a long time. And when they're not working, they're golfing. But lawyers have pretty distinct interests, right? So you should lean into that. I have a friend of mine who works in Boston, and uh, her name's Tori Santoro. Chris, you probably know her. She works at a PI firm, and like, she was made partner at a very young age because she was very active on social media. She had this whole thing where her whole ethos was like she was the limber lawyer, right? She liked to do yoga. She liked to go biking. She talked about that on a regular basis. That helped her professionally that helps her to get clients. So I would lean into that if you have something you're really interested in and feel really passionate about talking about. Now, what do you post every day? Um, I think that you should look at this, even as somebody looking for a job as a law firm or a business would look at it. So a few things I would do. One is I would probably choose an anchor social media platform where I get my news from. So what I mean by that is like, go somewhere where you can get information about the practice area that you want to work in from people who are experts in that space. So for me, that's Twitter, right? I get a lot of news from Twitter. I follow a lot of people who are in the practice management space because that's what I do. If you want to become an immigration attorney, focus on people who tweet about immigration law, find the articles they write. And then pull that stuff out and spread it across different social media channels, because this is about omni-channel marketing. It's just like the stock market, right? If you want to do well in social media marketing, you diversify what you do and you put a lot of stuff in many different places. You see different social media platforms, you get more reach that way. So pick one where you're going to get your news from and then put together a content calendar is what I tell people. So if you're not writing content, that's fine. Even if you're collating and essentially uh, finding other people's content and reposting it, that's great because you can show expertise in that as well because you can say, hey, these people are great. They know what they're talking about. This is an area that I'm interested in and I'm republishing these people who are the experts. To start out with, that's perfectly fine if you're curating other people's content, but do it on the schedule. Like the worst thing you want to do is post to LinkedIn or post to Twitter once in two months. Then you go dead. And then you like make 17 different posts. I'm terrible about getting on Facebook. So whenever I get on Facebook, like every two months, my wife is like, you just liked 57 different things that I posted on Facebook. Where have you been for the last two months? And that's what people who are gonna hire you, that's what business connections are gonna think if you're not consistent about it. So whatever it is, doing it weekly, doing it bi-weekly, making one post, making several, have a plan of action and lay that out. And that's even important if you're looking for a job.
1: I will, I will agree with Jared, but counterpoint. I think that yes. is- perfect scenario of what you should do. But I would also say, if you, for some reason, fall out of it, don't be afraid to get back in. I would say an occasional post is better than nothing at all. So yes, in a perfect world, you would be posting consistently. um, But it's okay (laughs) if you lose that.
3: No, Uh, don't stop forever, but try to get on another pattern.
1: (laughs) Yeah, right. Exactly. But I do see that a lot. It's people are like afraid to jump back into it. But um it, it's it's okay if you you know need to take a little break too and
0: get back to it
3: oh like yeah and if it's a holiday week or whatever like i'll take <laughs> i'll take a week off i'll be like peace out everybody i'm in florida for two weeks and that's okay too
0: that's that's actually not true jared does not take time off of
3: <laughs> i do i do work on vacation it's terrible <laughs> i'll see you next on that i'm sorry
2: I was just going to say, I think it also depends on what social media platform you're choosing because with LinkedIn, for example, if you don't really post for a while, people don't always know that you haven't posted for a while because you sort of have to navigate to that section where you can see someone's activity before you get a little bit deep into it. Um, so I think when it comes to LinkedIn, for me, I'm, I'm a little bit more conservative with how much I post on LinkedIn. Um, I know, like I said, we're going to get to this. We're, we're going to talk about it soon. Um, but I feel like sometimes you do have to be a little bit more strategic about what you're posting. And I think that sometimes when it's a lot of posting on LinkedIn, you may lose the true authenticity of who you are and and the messages that you're trying to share. Um, On other platforms, though, like Twitter, If you don't tweet for a couple of weeks, you know, it looks like you're just not an active Twitter user. Uh, Same thing with Facebook sometimes, because you do have it as a feed that just goes straight up or straight down where you can see how often someone's active. And so I think for those social media platforms, it is really relevant in terms of when you are pushing content to your audience. But I think for things like LinkedIn, sometimes I appreciate that LinkedIn doesn't force you know, a feed for every single person unless you're clicking into that activity section. So I agree with Caroline in that sense where sometimes you fall off and you may not post as much on LinkedIn. I feel like you can kind of get back to it when you're ready. Uh, But Twitter, it is hard because you go on there and you see that somebody hasn't tweeted since, you know, July 2nd of 2014, and then you realize, okay, maybe this person is not as active maybe you know the content that you're reading may not be as relevant to who they are at that point in their career so i think that that's the that can be the trouble but i think the balance depends on which social media platform you're focused on at that time
0: once again kelsey comes in with the perfect segue setup for me so i appreciate that um we have we have spent a lot of time talking about linkedin in in this far in the program and i would like to touch on some of the other platforms Uh, we've mentioned twitter here and there a bit Um, but tell us about like the, the LinkedIn is specifically for professional development in, in many ways, but what about the more casual platforms like Facebook and Instagram and Twitter to a lesser extent? Like, is it okay to use that as a professional development, build your online persona through those or should you have like distinct personal profiles and professional profiles separately? And I'll turn to Jared first on this cause he's, I think I know what he's gonna say.
3: Oh, okay. Well, let's see if you're right. Um, I would say, um, I think you wanna have So it depends on how out there you want to be in terms of your personal profiles, right? So I think Kelsey's correct when she said before that, like, you know, sometimes I just want my Facebook profile to be for me, right? Or my LinkedIn profile to be for me. I I think that's truer of something like Facebook than it is of LinkedIn. Right. I told like, if people are like, I don't want to have a Facebook profile that doubles as a professional profile. I totally get that. Cause some people want to post pictures of their kids there. They just want to share it with like grandparents. That totally makes sense to me. There are other avenues to get to. Right. But I think if you're using something like LinkedIn, like I've never really understood the notion of having like a personal profile on LinkedIn because it's fundamentally a business networking product like that's what you use it for. If you're not going to use it for that, like you're not sharing pictures of your grandkids on, on LinkedIn, that's just not how it goes. Um, so f- Facebook, I think Twitter, Twitter is more of a business management tool in, in as far as I'm concerned as well. Um, if you're a lawyer and you're using it, most lawyers, I think, at least I talked to, and most uh, law students looking for jobs, they're more willing to use that profile professionally. And the, advantage of that is you kind of get this double barreled approach, right? So you've got your own profile, which in my case is like the Jared Korea profile on Twitter or Facebook or LinkedIn or whatever. And that's where I post stuff about my business. And that has a personal bent to it, right? I'm talking about, I did this, I was at this program kind of thing. I think this is interesting. And so what I tell people is you also want to have a business profile as well, On every network that you have a personal profile on, but the messaging is slightly different, right? That's more of a branding position than anything else. So you're speaking in the third person, maybe you're talking about things that have happened that relate to the business, right? So think of the business profile page as almost like your corporate site. And the personal page, if you're using it for business purposes, is something where you can kind of mix media a little bit, talk a little bit about some interests you have outside of legal, talk about the stuff that you're doing in legal and approach it in that way. And I think you want to be more authentic and more engaged on the personal site as well. But, you know, I mean, pick your battles, right? So Kelsey was just talking about maybe you have a different posting frequency for different tools. I totally agree with that as well. So if you're creating a content calendar, it's going to be different for each of those platforms. And if you're in a position where you're posting on a site and you say, hey, I just want this to be about me, that's totally fine. I don't use Facebook for business purposes because it's like I got pictures of my kids on there and stuff. I don't necessarily want people seeing that. It's not that my kids are ugly, but I'm a private person, right? At least I don't think they're ugly. People have not told me that. So think about it in that way carefully before you post anything. And the last thing I'll say here is that like the opportunity for me is always being a first mover, Right. So personally, like I've had a Twitter account since 2008. I've had a podcast since 2006. If you can be one of the people who jumps on these places before everybody else does, then you can be seen as someone who has expertise, someone who's technology forward, someone who understands how to market. And there's an advantage to that as well. So if I'm a lawyer right now, I'm looking at things like TikTok, to be perfectly honest with you. I'm also doing these other things because having a LinkedIn account is like table stakes, but I'm also looking at new platforms at the same time.
0: Excellent and very thorough, Jared. Thank you. Um Kelsey, do you want to add to that?
2: <laughs> yeah, so I, I think that everything that Jared's saying is, is really relevant for this. And some things that I would add would just be knowing your audience. Um, I think that that's like the biggest thing to think about is who are you trying to reach on these platforms? Um, and so that's something that I think about a lot when I'm using social media. I think when it comes to my business, when I'm trying to market my business, I use all of these different networks so that we can reach all different types of people, but as an attorney, I would say that some platforms are a lot more work than necessary when it comes down to it if you're trying to be professional focused. Um, I think that Twitter is one of the best places to help yourself grow um, as a professional when it comes to meeting people and connecting. Um, But you do have to be careful though. Um, I think that you have to really think about who you are as a person and what it is that you want to share with other people um, and figure out is this in line with the professional presence that I want people to associate me with. Um, Because for example, let's say, you want to work at a law firm. Let's make up a law firm right now. It's the Korea Strang firm. Uh, That's going
3: to be a terrible firm.
2: (laughs) But let's say that's where you want to work. And you find Jared on Twitter, you find Chris on Twitter, and you follow them. Um, They may choose to follow you back. And so now if you want to work for their firm, but the things that you're posting on your Twitter just you know, they might be a little bit concerning, or maybe they're alarming, um, and they're not necessarily focused on a cohesive narrative, I think that that's a missed opportunity there. Um, So I think that when you're thinking about what you're trying to get out of the experience, especially if you're looking for a job, or if you're looking to connect with someone and have them view you as whether it's an expert, or that you could be a great addition to their team, uh, you have to think about that goal, and then try to provide content that's in line with that Um, So that people will understand that about you when they're connecting with you. Uh, So I think that that's one of the main things to think about too, especially when you're deciding which networks you want to put most of your, your time into and the investment into.
0: Awesome. Thank you, Kelsey. That was great. Uh, Caroline, do you have anything? I know there's not much left out there on that. Topic. I'm
1: uh well. I'm of the keep it simple mindset. Again, I work with attorneys all the time, so understand that um, a lot of times too, you're figuring out how to divide your time and where you should be devoting your efforts. And I think if you're really thinking about it and struggling with that, LinkedIn is really all you need at this stage. I think Twitter and Facebook both have their value, but. Um, It is a little bit different to navigate. Like Twitter, I suggest for people that have um, specific practice areas where, if that's where your clients are, you're on Twitter. Um, Facebook, too, you can um, definitely use Facebook to um, advance um, yourself. Um, And I would say that as a firm, we actually get a good amount of referrals um, to our website from people sharing things on Facebook. Um, but I think if, you're an, if, you're in, if your goal is to, to find a job, I don't think you need to be in a position to, um, to make your Facebook public or have a, a separate Facebook. I think if you're at the point where you're trying to grow your practice, maybe that's a different conversation. But I think if, you're, if your goal is if you're a young lawyer um, looking to move up, I would say... Stick to LinkedIn and um, and that's probably the most efficient use of your time at, at this phase.
0: Excellent, Thank you. I, We've talked a little bit about revealing who you are and, and leaning into what your interests are and things like that. Um, what about when we get into your personal values and maybe some things that are somewhat controversial or, or potentially risky out there? Is it okay to go with your uh, political opinions and your values on social media while you're looking for a job or should you stay away from it or how should you do it? Kelsey, do you want to lead us down that road?
2: Yeah, I would love to. I think it, it goes back to what I was mentioning a little bit earlier, which is identifying who you are. And when it comes down to it, what about your identity do you want to share with your professional peers? Um, I, I, I definitely don't think that everything should be shared. There's a lot of parts of myself that when it comes to what I post on LinkedIn, LinkedIn will never ever see that, you know, because it, it's not necessary. It has nothing to do with who I am as a professional. Um, but if you feel like there are certain values, certain interests, um, certain elements of your life that you feel are truly relevant to your professional professional identity, then I think that you should go for it. But I think you have to recognize that there's, there's always consequences for things. Um, even now, as we look into cancel culture that's happening. um, A lot of people, they are sharing their thoughts and sharing their viewpoints on things. And sometimes people don't like what those viewpoints are. And because we are so uh, susceptible and vulnerable to everything that we share on social media, you know, people kind of look into these things and make judgments about them. And so you have to really decide what is most important to you so that you can make the decision of what it is that you're going to share. What content are you going to you know, repost? Um, I love this concept of not only trying to focus on your original content that you'll create and also recognizing that you can use others' content to uh, perpetuate the things that you care about. So not using it and, you know, in a legal way, like stealing their intellectual property, but reposting and, you know, amplifying other people's thoughts and things like that. I think that that's a great way to to share your interests and share your values. Um, I think the the main point though, is to identify, well, what do I want my professional peers to know about me? What do I want them to see when maybe uh, someone has, looked at my resume and they're trying to see who I might be by searching me online. What do I want to pop up? And I think that that is your your starting point in terms of understanding what your messaging should look like, what your content should look like in terms of conveying your interests and your values to those people.
0: Excellent. Caroline, what do you add to that?
1: Yeah, I would just say that if you're going to post it, just be prepared to own it. You know, (laughs) you got to be able to stand behind it, whatever is, once it's out there, it's out there. So just be prepared to own it.
0: Excellent. Jared, I know you have a a point
3: or two on this. Uh, Man, like, my rule is no politics on social media. Like, honestly, there's just no way you win when you do that. Like, I have a bunch of people who I have stopped following on social media just because all they post about is politics. So, like, the other thing I think that's important is you never know somebody else's political values. So we're in a presentation for the Boston Bar, right? A lot of liberal politics in Massachusetts. I think a lot of people get very Massachusetts centric and they're like, oh, everyone thinks like me. So when I say this, that's cool for everybody. I've got a national consulting business. I'm talking to lawyers in the Midwest. I'm talking to lawyers in the West Coast. I talk to lawyers in Wyoming. I have bad news for you. Not everybody feels like you do, even at this juncture. Right. So like the politics stuff, I kind of keep to myself. And if you're talking about, Other thing, I I wouldn't talk about any. So, like, I wouldn't talk about anything controversial. Like, I just don't think it's a win for you. And as Caroline and uh, Kelsey said, like, if that's something you want to do and you feel like it's necessary, that's okay. But you have to then accept the consequences of what might happen by your doing so.
2: And I just want to add something in there about that. I think that was such a, a really on point point to make uh, because it can be the way things are right now it's definitely polarizing at times and so i agree with thinking about the political aspect but sometimes i would feel like there are certain issues and certain concepts that you know you have to own it like caroline said like for me i am very very open about my views on social justice and the way that the world needs to move forward and for me i know that there's probably people that may not view these issues the same way that i do but Because of just my identity and what's important to me, it's very important for me to own that and for me to make sure that for any job that, you know, is interested in me or any client that's interested in working with me, that you understand that these are core values for me in terms of, especially when it comes to diversity, equity, inclusion, all those kinds of things. And so the point that we're making is if that is the route that you are going to go into, you have to make sure that you're ready to own it because it can come back to bite you if people feel like, oh, I'm not sure if this is the right person or you know whatever the case may be but when it does come to core values that really really matter to you i think that it can depend on how you feel personally in terms of whether you want the world to understand that and to know that
3: uh, totally and, and the way to think about that too is especially if you're looking for a job right you're going to want to work with companies that align with your core values. So it's almost better that they know it in advance because you don't want to be wasting time. They don't want to be wasting time. So if it's really important to you say it, and then, you know, you may save yourself some time in having some of these interviews or not.
0: Thank you. Great, great answers, everybody. I want to, we're running short on time, but I'm going to try to squeeze a couple of points in here. Um, how, How do you get people to notice you? I mean, you've, you build out a nice profile, you're posting, like what gets people to follow you? What gets you maybe potential clients? What what makes your profile something that, that people will start to link, like, follow, whatever the case may be? Uh, Caroline, can you help us out?
1: Um, Yeah. So I think it's, again, just what I said before, being authentic is always number one. Um, I think, again, like I said, the um, posting commentary is really helpful, making sure you're adding a little bit more. Anyone can share news. But if you have a a certain point of view that you're taking, that's helpful. Um, There also is, unfortunately, all these algorithms you need to pay attention to when getting your voice across. That's why it helps to um be connected with people, be sharing consistently, does help your your posts and things like that actually um get noticed. Um uh, and just being um engaging with others on 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 content um is helpful too. Um but I think um, I I know I know we're short on time. So Kelsey and Jared, did you want to add to that?
3: Oh, hey Jared, you want to go first? Uh, I guess I'll go first. Um uh, <laughs> Kelsey and I won't have to arm wrestle over it though. Um <laughs> So a few things I would say. One is um, in terms of the content. So I'm a big believer in producing your own content, right? And I think you could even do that being a law student, right? You, ha- you have to have a certain focus. You have to talk about certain things. You have to make it clear that you're not a lawyer, right? But like the more stuff you can produce, the better. Because in many cases, it's a volume game. Right. And so if you're a, an attorney who's looking for a job, right, you could start your own blog. You could have your own website. It doesn't have to be a business website. It could just be your personal website, right? With your professional identity cast there. And if you can produce content there, that's helpful. I will tell you that I harp a lot on the consistency and the content calendar aspect of it, because the more present you are, the more visible you are in these streams, right? Regardless of the social media platform that we're talking about. And I will tell you personally that like a lot of people hire me, a lot of people work with me, a lot of people send me referrals because they say, I can't escape you. I see your stuff all the time. And if it's relevant to them, a lot of people think like, I don't want to annoy everybody, but they can just ignore it, right? And if it's relevant to them, then that's great, keep doing it. The other thing I would say is that, um, so Caroline talked a little bit about algorithms, right? So one underutilized piece of social media marketing is there's a lot of data analytics available for free. On these softwares, right? So if I'm on Twitter, I can see how many people viewed my posts. I can see how many people shared with my po- shared my post. I can see how many views I get on a monthly basis. I can see how many views I get on a weekly basis. If I'm on LinkedIn, there's a little graphic under every post that you make that tells you how many people viewed it. Where were they from? What, what's their profession? What's their title? That's really helpful information that can help you to focus and be more authentic and to hit an audience. But most people don't even look at that. So what I would say is that if you really want to leverage this effectively, do it consistently, and then take a look at the data that's just sitting there free to use to amplify your voice.
1: It also right. just makes you feel good when you see a post that you shared got 500 impressions. You know, <laughs> you know, it's right. nice to see that you're, you're being noticed.
3: Well, and, t- and the other oh. thing too, I would say is like tag other people, right? So they know, because a lot of people will just write somebody's name in a social media program. You have to do the little at sign and make sure that their profile comes up and then click on it and then they'll see it. That'll increase your exposure as well.
0: Kelsey, you want to bring us home with that?
2: Yeah. I mean, I was just going to say that I feel like when it comes to business things, you know, the team and I will sit and we'll talk about the, you know, the algorithm, the algorithm, the impressions. Well, how many people looked at it at this time? And what's the best day for us to post? What's the best time for us to post? But I would say when it comes to more of my personal attorney presence online I don't think that I operate in that same manner I definitely don't post as much as I think Jared might want me to post in terms of keeping you, pro- you
3: probably don't
2: <laughs> keeping people interested in, in what I'm doing but that's why for me I really feel like it's a lot more about strategy um, I think that it's also important to make sure that if you are the type of person who really loves posting and posting aggressively and posting a lot, I think it is important to make sure that you have an audience that is interested in those things, because I'm not going to lie, sometimes when I see tons and tons of posts, I'm like, oh, this is, this is a lot right now that somebody else is posting, and I don't think it always leaves the best impression every time. Um, so for me, I'm more of the, the, one of the type of people that will post when it's relevant and post when it helps. Um, And I think when you're thinking about, okay, well, I want people to engage with my content so that they know that it's out there so that they care. I love the points about tagging other people. Um, I also want to just highlight this one more time is if you connect with people who you know will care, like if you're posting a lot about your values and volunteering with this particular organization or doing this particular pro bono, try to find people who are in that space who like that and follow them or request them so that you can have that going for you. So your posts will be engaged with on these particular topics and then you can make sure that you have an audience that cares about what you're saying. Um, but I think when we're trying to think about how it helps you with getting a job, again, you know, following the organizations that you like and then maybe sometimes reposting or if they're letting you know about an event, go to the event, these events are so virtual, you know, 100% at this point. And so you can go to one of these events and then tag it at the end. Like, I really loved attending the Boston Bar Association program about crafting an online presence. And let's say there's one of us that you really did want to connect with, you can also tag one of us and that 100% will make us feel interested in in looking at your profile, seeing who you are. And if you, let's say you wanted to take it a step further to build that network and send a, a message and say, oh, I love the program. This is what I learned. These are ways that I think can help you build your network, which in turn can lead to jobs, because I don't just think your presence online is going to help you get a job. And that's it. I think it's about you building these connections and then you know, helping to allow them to be used in your in your benefit in a positive way. I don't think you're using people. You're just building that connection.
1: There's definitely an element of um, you help me, I help you too, right? If you share someone's post, they're probably going to try to share the next one that they see of yours too. So it's like, it's a very much a back and forth, right? So that's why it's great too, just to, um, to like p- other people's posts, to share people's posts if it's something you're interested interested in, um, and if you're taking the, the time to connect with these people, um, if they have um, like a milestone, a career milestone, or get a new job, take the time to say congratulations. Are um, you know just something just to show that you're engaged and like Kelsey said, just not just not stuck on on there, which is just for the present. That engagement is so important, but everyone likes to help each other and the same is true on social media too.
0: And it, it is time for me to turn it over to questions, so I, I will invite everybody to start submitting your questions through the q and I'm going to talk for a minute while everybody feverishly types in all the hundreds of questions we have for us today, but a, a good points on, on uh, sharing, interacting with others on there. I think that it's very important. Uh, Jared's advice to me probably 12 or 13 years ago when I didn't have a clue how to use Twitter was like just get on it, just Share other people's posts until you figure it out, and so yeah. and it was great advice because I just started sharing Jared's posts on the Twitter, and he <laughs> he would uh, he would always give a shout out thanks for the share string and so on and that's where I sort of got my start of figuring out how to use it. So just get on there and just start working with the people that are on there. We have yeah, our you first- make people.
3: If somebody shares my stuff, I always feel guilty if I don't share something of theirs. <laughs> so use that to your advantage. <laughs>
2: And that's why right, I yeah. like Twitter, because Twitter, you, oh, like, you could just press the retweet button. Yeah. If you want to add something to it, you could quote tweet it and move forward. I think that Twitter is amazing if you're looking for people to see you as an expert or see you as someone who really cares about a topic. And I think you can really connect with people that you admire or connect with people that might be interested in your work in a, in a way that is so quick and so easy through Twitter. So it is, it is a, a platform that I do really enjoy for, for building your online
0: presence. All right. We have our first question, and it's, should we connect with people who we do not know? Uh,
3: Yes. Kind (laughs) of the point. (laughs) You you want to meet new people, right? So like, let's frame like people we do not know, right? Are we talking like non-lawyers? Are we talking like people outside of your industry? That may be a different question, but you want to meet people you don't know. But you want to make sure that they have some kind of relevant connection to what you're trying to achieve. So if it's a lawyer, if it's somebody from Boston, if it's a business owner, if it's somebody who could be a potential referral source for you as you've been getting your career, connect with all those people.
1: I would say, oh, yeah, Kelsey, jump in. I just always like to be Jared's
3: counterpoint, but i like go for it. I'm I was
2: going to say, I, I do think it's good to connect with people that you don't know, but there is a caveat. Like sometimes if someone, out of 100% left field has requested me on LinkedIn and there's no you know, message that says you know, who it is, why we're connecting, what the point of it is. Sometimes I don't, I don't really trust those invitations the same way. Um, you know, so I think that sometimes if you are connecting with someone and you don't even have a similar connection with them, and um, you've never met them, I think that you wanna utilize the tools that are out there which is like sending that little message, that little blurb as to why you want to connect. Um, I think it also helps to frame what you want the relationship to be, Uh, because I think that if you're trying to connect with people that you don't know, like Jared said, try to know what your reasoning is for that. If you just want to have more people on your LinkedIn page, okay, that's one thing. You know, you might want to just add anybody who you want to add. But I think as long as you're being strategic about what the purpose is, I think you should sometimes use that little opportunity to to leave a message with why you're, you're sending that invitation.
1: Yeah, I'll agree with that. I think there's there's levels of who, who you don't know, like Jared said and Kelsey alluded to. I think um, being, customizing your message to them is important. But I will say too, I, I had mentioned earlier, um, have showing showing your connections and who knows who and all that and the mutual connection. So there is like an element of, if I see too many people where I'm like, do you actually know this person? It's a little bit like, it makes me like a little skeptical. So I would just say like, really make sure that you at least, have some level of connection to them, I think is helpful. Even if it's just you're in a mutual industry and maybe um, you've like met, it's one thing to um, have like met them in passing and connect. I think that's totally fine. But I would just say there's just a level of skepticism that I would say with like Kelsey said, if you are sending out these, these blind requests I would just be cautious about who you're doing it to.
3: I, th- I think sending and receiving is part of this too, right? Because yeah. you can you have more control over who you send requests to. But then if you put yourself out there, you never know who are you going to receive a request from. And for my part, at least, I, I lack a lot of skepticism when it comes to that. I connect with almost everybody, which is now probably going to lead to numerous LinkedIn requests. But in any yeah. event, um, I'm happy to do it because I've found that like I have... I have been skeptical in the past from like, I shouldn't connect with this person, but that's led to results at points. So I kind of take the top off and let people prove themselves is my philosophy. I know that's not everybody's philosophy, but that's kind of how the way I run my social media connections.
0: Yeah. Oh, great points. Everybody. Um, Does anybody have any thoughts about timing of your use and your posts and your interactions on these platforms? In other words, you know, another panel I was on, they're like, nobody answers my emails. And I'm going, I'm like, what? when are you sending them? On <laughs> Saturday morning? <laughs> like, no, I'm not gonna look at your resume on Saturday morning. And it's probably not in the top 10 emails I'm gonna look at first thing Monday morning. So timing does matter in the, in the methods of communicating um, in your job search. And I wondered if you had thoughts, members of this panel on, when's a good time to be posting on Twitter and LinkedIn?
1: pre-pandemic or post-pandemic because it's so we're in a pandemic
0: world right now so um
1: jared do you want to i think jared you have more of the the data i feel like
3: post-pandemic is like a fever dream right now when is that going to (laughs) happen i don't know (laughs) i have no clue um so for job search stuff it's tough like i would say that in the first instance like it, it was an employee's market up until the pandemic hit. And now that's very much reversed, right? Like everybody was good. Now there's a global pandemic and like there's not as many jobs out there. So it's really hard. Um, I would say just personally from my experience, um, I, I like to see people send resumes in like the evening, right? So for me, I, I get resumes from people all the time who want to work for me or who want to like uh, work with a law firm. Like I find that like at the end of a day, after i finished what i needed to do i'll take a look at it then so to chris's point like somebody sent me a resume at like 6 a.m i'm not looking at that until i'm done because it's not high priority for me so i think like if you're sending resumes if you want to connect with people who may be a higher hiring opportunity for you i would do that after hours is my personal feeling i don't know if anybody else has different thoughts on it
1: yeah in terms of just posting content i mean some of it is you're at the power of the algorithm too, for when people see it. But I think, um, I say pre and post pandemic, because a lot of times people would look at social media during their commutes, right. And people don't have, commutes right. anymore, that's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> so it makes it a little tougher. Um, so I think that's, there is kind of a shift there. Um, but to like people during lunch breaks too, we're, um, pretty active on it. Um, the beauty of Twitter too, is that you can post more frequently. Um, so you can, um, repost the same thing a couple times. Um, change what you're saying maybe, but um, a little bit, but um, Twitter is kind of more of like a, a volume game in the in a way that LinkedIn um, isn't. But mm-hmm. um, I'm just going to go back to, don't let the time of posting be the enemy either. If you can just get something out there, that's that's good too. But it is changing a little bit with just the way people operate and the, the downtime that people have.
3: I'll just say two things really quickly. Um, one is that there's data for this, right? Like I talked about. If you look at your posts, you can do A-B testing, right? You can post at noontime one day, 2 p.m. the next day, 10 p.m. the day after that. And then just look at the metrics and see where you're getting better results and post at the times where you're getting better results. Last thing I'll say is like, you don't, I think the problem with this, when I talk to busy attorneys, especially about running social media platforms that they don't want to go down a rabbit hole in the middle of the day because they're logging into post and now you're reading about some crazy Wikipedia page you never thought you'd be on, right? So (laughs) there are tools out there that will allow you to schedule posts like TweetDeck is one, Buffer is another one. Um, I'd look into those. Um, Hootsuite is another one, like schedule some posts so you don't have to live on social media to make these posts and then set specific times where you're going to go on and engage with people.
2: I just, Delta, do you want? I would like to add a little bit to that. I, I also, I want to caution people though, in case you're starting to feel like you are not posting enough on social media, I want you to just recognize that if you don't have anything useful or helpful or relevant to say, please don't force yourself to post things that are inauthentic to you or that you know have no relevance to, to what you're doing and they don't serve you because then otherwise you're posting things and you're using up time that can be better spent doing other things because they won't lead to a result. So I would say that if you are thinking about, okay, I need to to schedule posts, make sure that the content that you're gonna be scheduling is going to be useful for you and drive you forward for the goal that you have. So if it's to find a job, you wanna make sure that content aligns with that. If it's to help people see you as an expert in the field or see you as someone who's growing in this field and succeeding and excelling or whatever the case may be, you wanna make sure that that content is in line with that. Um, As it relates to timing, just to double back to the conversation about the timing of sending applications. um, I would say for me, the evenings, evenings don't really work for me in terms of seeing things and, and having it be on top of my mind. I would also say Friday's, Fridays really aren't good times for that either because like there's so many things happening for me. I like early in the week things. Um, I would say something that comes in around like 12 or between like 11 and maybe three. You might catch me to stop and actually look at it for a second because I am hyper aware of what's coming through during those times. And so even if I don't respond immediately, it will still be on my mind, um, you know, throughout the day. So I would say. Fridays going into the weekends, you might lose people for for a couple of weeks. But even if you do lose people and let's say you submit something and people aren't responding to you, just follow up. I think a lot of people take it really, really personally when they don't get a response or they don't see that people are, you know, responding to them the way that they would like. But following up is really helpful and there shouldn't be any pride about that aspect. Um, As far as social media goes, I love what Jared was noting about the fact that you have tools embedded in these sites to help you identify the best times for things. Um, Instagram is a lot harder, but if you do have a business account, so to speak, on Instagram, you can identify the times where most of your users are online for every single day, um, but I do think that the metrics that you get when you do post on your personal accounts can help you identify which time works best for you. So I think that those are all things to look at uh, when you're or, or think about when you're trying to apply for jobs or post online as well.
1: Great. I think Thank again you. the theme the theme of all of this is that you can't please everyone. <laughs> so everyone, just do your best and do your best to be authentic, and you'll 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 come out on top in the end. So figure yeah, out.
2: I was just gonna say i think you can kind of tell for example like if you let's say you're trying to connect with jared for a job and you see that he's the type of person to post a lot and that posts a lot of these things that gives you a lot of opportunities to engage and connect with him you know and so i think it's it's also about knowing your audience again as we said and who it is that you're trying to connect with who are you trying to please and i think that you can work with it based on what they're sharing online too
3: and let me just be clear i do do other things than posting on social media.
0: Not sure that's true
3: some <laughs> things i have small hobbies
0: <laughs> uh we're down to our last minute or two is there anything that i missed that anybody want to make a quick point before we before we sign off and you don't have to but if anybody has something that they were really looking forward to talking about and wanted to just deliver a sound bite before we go no you good Chair? Uh,
3: i can say something quickly like one thing i think is relevant And it doesn't just apply to marketing. It's like if I'm an attorney looking for a job in this market, um, there's a lot of generational shifting happening at law firms right now. So you see a lot of older attorneys aging out, younger attorneys coming in. So one thing I would say that is if you can leverage some level of tech savvy that another applicant might not have. Look, everybody's gone to law school. Everybody's taken constitutional law. If you can have a different approach, if you can be somebody who can display a different skill set, I would lean in on that. And so, if you have some tech savvy, you maybe look at some of the legal technology software that's out there, that might be really helpful in finding a job post. And so, I've been consulting with Suffolk Law School for a number of years. They have an accelerated practice program, and I've found that that's a differentiator for some jobs. So, yeah,
1: excellent. I would just yeah, to say to that too, as someone who works with associates, we ask associates to um, market from day one, just to really like build the habit of it. So if you're, um, you know, a recent recent law school grad and you're already doing that, it's even better for us. It just shows that you're already understand the importance of it. So it never never hurts to start early, even not just to get a job, but just to set yourself up in building your own practice too. One point.
0: Kelsey. do you have a last thing you wanted to add?
1: Yeah, I think there's one thing that
2: I didn't hear us chat about too much is is also just leveraging it to have the opportunity to start conversations um, that can lead to opportunities that you want. So for example, let's say you do find the name of the person who is the hiring manager at a particular firm, or you find the name of the partner who's in this practice group that you really care about, and then you can you know, look into them online. Most law firms or a lot of organizations, they do share that information um, on the website. And so you can send an email. Uh, you definitely wanna craft your email, make sure it has no errors, you proofread, do what you have to do. Um, but trying to start that conversation to see if somebody would be willing to give you their time, even if it's 30 minutes, to talk a little bit about your interests and what they do in their practice and maybe how you could um, you know be in addition to that group I think that that's also a way to use social media you know you're adding email to it but that can also help you drive a relationship home and actually start to build when there are a number of people that I potentially never even met in person but it's through that online connectivity and emailing and being on the phone or zooming that allows us to maintain that virtual relationship in a way that can help us both professionally so I would also advise people to think about reaching out to people directly um, and seeing where that takes you. And sometimes if you don't hear back, just follow up. Um, and then if you followed up a couple of times and you don't hear anything, you might want to put it to the side and, and then just move on to the next the next person on the list that might be relevant in terms of helping you understand your path.
0: Yeah, I will close with a, a quick point that I, I like to give about job search advice, and that's look local. In other words, you're, you're at a BBA, event right now, you're probably applying to Boston area law firms, and many of them are, are small and mid-sized firms that are specifically local to Boston only and don't have offices in other areas. And they care about longevity when they hire somebody, when they're going to train a new associate fresh out of law school, they hope you're going to be around for a little while. And if you have a resume that looks like you're from 17 different parts of the country and kind of like to explore, you might look less attractive. So use your your social media as an opportunity to show your commitment to Boston. And, and join the Esplanade Association or the Beacon Hill Civic Association, or things that are, are very Boston specific and it makes you look like you're part of the fabric of the community here and you want to grow and stay here. That's my final two cents on the point. Um, I wanna thank our panelists. I've used up my time and, and crept over just a little bit, uh, but not too bad. And so thank you so much, all three of you for wonderful opinions and advice and for making time in your busy schedule to help in this very important topic of the day. And uh, I'm sure that the audience appreciates it Said so well, and I'd like to thank the audience for coming. We, we were glad that you were here. We thank you for participating and hearing what we have to say and we hope it was helpful to you. So thank you and not, not to forget uh, Doug hiding in the background over there, <laughs> the BBA staff for doing all of the hard work and getting this set up and the, the uh, technical parts of making it all work. So thank you, Doug. Thank you very much to all of our panelists. That was an excellent program and thank you all for coming. Enjoy your night.
3: Thanks everybody.